Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Holiday, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And whether you can believe it or not, we are going into our fourth week of this, which I I certainly can't believe it. It has been such a full time already. Time just is flying by. But I want to remind you that our goal is to end the year better than we started by growing in our holiness through these holy days. And we're doing that by trying to find some practical ways that we can uh, tangibly feel the presence of God and train ourselves to turn to our adopted Heavenly Father, basically, during the good times and the bad times so that we can feel Him going through life with us. That is our focus this year. God is with us, Emmanuel. That is the name of our series this year. Okay, so um, last time we talked about gratitude, oh, interactive gratitude is what we call it, and that's the thought that we can share all of our um, gratitude with God, which many of us are familiar with that concept, but by writing it down and then writing down God's response it somehow it just hits differently that to hear God's response to our gratitude. Lots of times we can hear him saying things that we've never imagined him saying before. We've never heard before. And a lot of that is going to be his own gratitude coming right back at you. And a lot of, you know, I'm so proud of you for for finding the good in this, or um, you're doing great. You know, there's just so much affirmation that we receive from hearing the voice of God. Something that we have to practice is hearing the voice of God, really learning how to listen. As humans, I think we do have a hard time listening in general to other people and especially to God. So this is a great way to practice our listening. But today, we are going to talk about just a little bit further. We're going to take this further. But now we're going to talk about processing our pain. So, you know, it's one thing to talk about writing down your gratitude. But there's times in our lives when we are in just so much pain, we can barely speak, much less listen. And I have definitely found that when I am in pain and when I am having a fear response, my, I can't hear. I just can't hear what someone is saying to me. You know, um, I've even had somebody say that to me in the past couple of years. Like, I feel like you're, you can't hear me through your pain. And they were exactly right. It's like all of my, you know, defense mechanisms are up. My amygdala has identified there is, <laughs> there is danger abroad and really near. So you need to, you know, do something. And I just can't hear anymore. So we're going to talk about how do we process our pain with God. As I told you before, this book, the um, Joyful Journey, was written by therapists. And a lot of their role in our life really is to help us I don't metabolize our pain, really to learn how to work through pain. Um, And I think part of the reason that we actually need therapists in our life is because our culture isn't exactly set up for pain. Um, We are not a lamenting culture in America. It's very foreign to us. When we hear about in the Bible how they had professional mourners, um, and we can kind of sometimes scoff at that, but, you know, it really is that culture is giving voice to something that we all feel. Anybody who has lost someone and been in true grief knows that it does feel like the whole world is going on and you are just at a standstill. And uh, those times where you can just barely put 
you can barely, you know, wash the dishes and do the laundry. I know for me, there was a big grief time in my life just losing um, Ella, who was a baby born to one of my very best friends in the whole world. And I just, she wasn't even mine, but I couldn't uh, really even function during that time other than I, I did the laundry, I did the dishes, but I couldn't even fix dinner. I just could barely exist. And so, you know, that feeling when you are in serious grief and serious pain, it does feel like you'd like the world to stop for a bit. You would like it. I think some professional mourners would be nice to come and help us lament. We are not a lamenting culture. And so this is going to take a minute for us to talk about it. It might take three episodes, and I don't even know how far we're going to get today, but I'm just going to go for it because if I could name one practice that has changed my life the most after this whole, you know, year of really investigating it, it would probably be this one. It has helped me to move forward. Actually, they're all helpful, but I will say this one has helped me to move forward. So, um, okay, so we're going to talk about what happens when we um, go through painful times in our lives. I want to, before I actually get into our scriptures, I want to talk about how pain will you will find you as a Christian. So I just have to put this in there for those of you who are, you know, new Christians and you haven't gone through this super exhausting, painful time in your life where you actually just want to quit. You will. Okay. So that's not meant to be discouraging. That's meant to say, be ready because it will happen to you. It is a test that comes to all of us. And there will be many times that that probably in our lives that we go through this and we need to be prepared. I think something that would help my denomination in particular, I don't know what denomination you are, but I think it would be if we had a better theology of pain. I think sometimes uh, we unwittingly and not, not on purpose, we don't want to do this, but we can kind of... Uh, feel that if we were going through a painful time, maybe we did something wrong. You know, maybe we're in some sort of sin. And I'm not trying to take away from the fact that our sin does produce consequences in our lives. And those are painful to go through. Um, Even though we caused them, it doesn't make it any easier to go through them. Um, And there are times where I feel like God will block us and we we need to be really thinking through is God trying to tell me something? Is Are these blocks up for a reason? Um, you know, maybe there are times like that. But there are other times where just as the, you know, the disciples asked, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, nobody sinned. Nobody sinned for this. It was meant for the glory, to bring glory to God for this exact moment. And I think there are times in our life where it's, it, you can't trace it back to a sin. You have, you probably haven't even done, sure you've done a lot of things wrong, but it's not like you are experiencing this pain. And if you will find, identify that sin, it's almost like a formula. If we identify that sin, then we'll be done, you know, and I am definitely a snap the fingers. I let's get, you know, let's fix this thing. I want things fixed yesterday and I want to move on. I'm a fix it person. And God has had to teach me that is not how life works. That's God is teaching me. That is not how life works and it's okay. It's not supposed to be that way. So there are painful times. And as the psalmist said, it was good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your decrees. Sometimes God gives us affliction, honestly, just so we can learn how to 
rely on him and his word through those times and it is worth it so if you are not in a painful time in your life right now that's okay maybe you can store up some knowledge for later if you are in a painful time in your life right now i just want you to know you can get through this you will feel like you can't you will feel like you want to give up but god is with you he will be with you in these waters and he will be with you climbing that mountain or whatever it feels like to you because we all have what it feels like to us some of us feel like we are you know trudging through a, a swamp or a, a quicksand and some of us feel like we're just like going up a mountain that's never ending or some of us feel like we're drowning in the ocean we all have these metaphors that we that that describe how we feel and so this is where we're going to start today is really we have to talk we we do have to talk about how god is going to work us through all of this but i think the first thing we have to do is just allow ourselves to learn how to lament okay now the bible is great at it okay the psalms the psalmists were great at it there's a whole book in the bible called lamentations that's that collective lamenting that we're supposed to be learning how to do that we need to learn how to lament and i do do think that if we could even just learn how to lament that would probably um do a lot for our pain right there um you know pain in our unresolved um unresolved conflict and unresolved i shouldn't say conflict trauma and don't be afraid of using that word sometimes the truth is that um, something that I've learned from all of my studies this year, and I am certainly not a therapist and I am not, um, I'm not a trauma specialist, so please, I'm just a mom, okay? I'm just a mom trying to deal with my own kids' stuff and my own stuff and all of that, but I definitely have been in the classroom, so to speak, of trauma. So what I have learned is that even if something um, happens to us that is not a classically traumatic experience. Okay, we didn't go to war and have a bomb go off right next to our head, or we didn't um, maybe receive, uh, we weren't tortured as a child, or we, we, didn't even, we weren't even abused um, in the classic sense of abuse, which is, you know, wounding, physical, you know, bruises and whatever. Okay, even if we didn't go through that, or maybe we, we, we didn't have any sexual molestation or anything that's classic, I think that's the way I would describe it, because in our, in our minds, we can take things that are just hurtful, and our body will actually catalog it as traumatic. And if it's not allowed to work its way through, meaning if we don't process that pain, and bring it to some sort of closure, and um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know how what the right word is. Maybe closure is not the right word. But if we don't process it all the way through, that energy in our body, that trauma, will figure out a way to manifest itself. Now, it could manifest itself physically. Remember, in Psalm 32, he talked about all my strength has been sapped. Um, my, my jaws are clenched my you know my t- my tongue is clinging to the roof of my mouth my bones are wasting away within me there is a physical mind body connection and it is true when that trauma is not dealt with it can come out in our modern day language as migraines as um uh ibs as you know um joint pain arthritis these kinds of things and these things are real do not get me wrong 
they are real. And I think one of the hardest things that we can do to somebody who has chronic pain or is in um, fibromyalgia or something like that is try to pretend or kind of make them feel as if that's all in their head. It's not all in your head. It's not. It will actually manifest itself. Um, can be seen on an MRI. It can be detected in testing. So it's not made up. It's just that the that the unresolved things in your body are causing you to be sick, literally sick. Now, I have some experience with this because my daughter, most of you know that my oldest daughter um, ha, was has had chronic pain since uh, sixth grade. Oh, sounds terrible. And she's 24 now. Um, but this over this past year um, has actually become chronic pain free because she uh, has learned how to process this pain in her life. So that's a, that has been a really, if, if you want to know more about that, then you can, you know, private message me or something, but um, I can put you in touch with her because she can get you started at least on a road for you. But even if it doesn't manifest itself in some sort of chronic pain in your body, there's other ways that it's going to come out. So that pain is going to try, it can come out in the ways of, you know, ruining your relationships. You can be depressed. You can, um, you know, not even be able to function in your everyday life we all know that this happens with grief but even in just the daily painful life so that's what I'm trying to say even the daily pains I think we have to learn how to lament them and process them in a healthier way and the Bible actually does teach us how to do that and we're gonna go through Psalm 22 Okay, so um, I don't know if you're going to be reading along with me. Today I'm going to be reading in the NLT. And I actually started writing this, this lesson. I, I Actually, this has been coming for a couple of years because two years ago, uh, my friend Cito Holland turned me on to Tim Mackey's series about praying through the Psalms. And it, it just gave me so much. The whole series did. I actually went through a year of rewriting almost every Psalm, I'd say 75% of the Psalms. And it just gave me so much. And I love Tim Mackey. He's the Bible Project guy. If you don't know who that is, look him up. I want to give him full credit for tons of the stuff in here I got from him. Of course, now it's been a couple years and um, it's sort of my own now, my own process and my own thoughts. But um, I did do this lesson at the Mothers of Ministry Conference last year, but I have even grown since then. So it's sort of been an, an, a process in the making and it will definitely take longer than a 20 minute lesson today. Maybe it'll be a two or three parter. Um, okay, but we're going to start reading here in Psalm 22. It says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. You cried, they cried out to you and were saved. They trusted you and were never disgraced. So let's just talk about what's going on right here. So he's basically like going, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering me? Why are you so far away from me? I mean, I'm, I keep calling every single day. When are you going to do this? You know, when, when, when? And let me tell you that the Psalms, I, I actually highlighted every time it says how long, how long. It's 
so many times. I, I counted them up, you know, but I don't, I don't remember it anymore. So long. I mean, the, this is something that is in the Psalms. And that question of why, why God, this actually shows us that it is okay. It is okay to say, why God? You know, sometimes we can get into this thing of thinking, you know, we, who are we to question God? And there is a time for that. Read Job. There is a time for that. But there's another time for this. It's just like, why? I don't get it. That's what he's saying. I don't get it. Because right after that, he goes, I know you're God. I know. I remember all the miracles. I know that you brought the people up out of Egypt. I know you've done miracles in my life. And this is our human dilemma, is it not? It's that why does a good God allow bad things to happen? You know, we as Christians, we try to answer that question because, you know, atheists will say it. And, you know, and so we think we got to have an answer. But as Christians, we ask this question. Why is this happening when I, okay, I know you're God, and I'm just trying to work this out. He's not questioning if God is God. He's questioning how does this even work that you are the great redeemer, the great rescuer. I've seen you work miracles in my life, and yet right now, I feel like I can't even find you. I feel like I'm crying out day and night, and you're not there. Okay, is this a familiar thing? And this is what's great about the Psalms is that this can be any of our experiences. We don't even know why David wrote this. Sometimes we do, but it just says a Psalm of David to be sung to the tune of Doe of the Dawn, which we don't even know that tune. (laughs) So this is supposed to be that way so that you can put your experience in here. Okay, but let's keep reading. It says, but I'm a worm. And not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? (laughs) Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. You brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth and you've been my God from the moment I was born. And just think about what he's saying here. When he starts off, he's starting with one of his metaphors, which is, I'm a worm. (laughs) Sometimes we feel like that. Like, I just feel like I'm nothing. I feel this big. And so he's trying to describe that. He gets really, you know, he he's talking about all these people looking at him, making fun of him because they're like, isn't this the dude that always talks about God? I mean, haven't you felt that before when you've been sharing your faith and you've been trying to reach out to people and all of a sudden you just look like dirt and you're like, yeah, I'm the person that trusts in God, you know, <laughs> and they're, you know, sort of sneering at you, rolling their eyes at you. And, you know, geez, this guy, I thought he was a leader. I thought she was a leader. I thought she was supposed to be a woman's ministry leader. I thought he was, a, you know, whatever. And it could just feel like everybody is making fun of you. And then he says, but the truth is I've actually been, I have been a, a you know, a God fearing person practically since I was born. And some of us can relate to this. We were literally born and six weeks later, we were coming to church. And that, that's what he's saying. He's like, I've, I've known you my whole life, God. I've known you. I've tried to, con- talk, to talk to you. I've tried to live for you my whole life. What in the world is going on? So again, we have him pouring out his heart in this lament, describing how bad he feels. And at the same time, like, but I know you're God. What is going on? So let's keep reading. Do not stay far from me, for trouble is near, 
and and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like some baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. And of course, we recognize this as being what, what it happens at the cross. But this was written because David felt it. It's not just some prophecy that he's you know going into a trance and then prophesying it. No, no, he's like... I feel like there's bulls surrounding me. Lions are about to tear me apart. My enemies feel like that. I feel like all my bones are out of joint. I My strength is, you know, zapped. I, I, I'm just like a lion here in the desk, like I'm dead. And it's like you left me here. He is graphically describing his pain. And I want you to get this. This is something that I learned from Tim. I'd never noticed this before. It's been 18 years. 18 verses, and he is not asked really for one thing. He does say this, don't stay far from me, but basically everything else is this description of his pain. He hasn't even asked for God to do anything for 18 verses. And finally, in verse 19, we're going to get his request. He says, Lord, do not stay far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. So now we finally get to his request. And I think this is so key because I think sometimes when we're in pain, we can have this thought, well, God already knows how I feel. God already knows how I feel. I just need to pray. It was almost like we pray for what we think God should do. We're praying for an answer. We're praying for relief. We're praying for um, to get out of our pain, right? But it's the exact opposite. It's like God wants to hear how we feel. We shouldn't assume he already knows. He wants to hear it. He wants you to get it out. He, I think it's for us. Getting all of that stuff out exactly how you feel, not cleaning it up one little bit. God is the only entity in this entire universe that can take every bit of your feelings. You can get them all out. He can take it. Every strong word and the language that you want to use and all the feelings and all the analogies. I'm like a worm, you know, that whole thing. God is the only one that can take it. I mean, we can try with humans, but we're only human. You know, know how we need to be there for each other, but no matter how hard we try, we, you know, we will affect one another, but God can take it. Now, I mentioned that my daughter actually does this practice and in her world they call it journal speak and I want to give credit to that because that sort of opened my mind to this it's not the same as just journaling which we're going to get into this but it's really letting it all out and uh, I call it interactive lamenting now because I've sort of found this joyful journey and I got the interactive um, gratitude but I call this interactive lamenting but it starts with you allowing yourself to get it all out. 
And uh, you know, sometimes we can worry that if we're say if we're really gonna get it all out on, you know, that we um, are going to be brought down. We're going to stay there. We're going to fall into self-pity. And believe me, I am a person that is always just one inch away from self-pity. And I have to be very careful not to go down there. But the reason that this has not produced that in me is because it has a time limit. It's 20 minutes. And you set your timer for 20 minutes and you just go, I'm just going to get all this out. And some people, if you have, if it's been a long time, or if you have been, you know, sort of stuffing your emotions for a long time, if you're a person that tends to downplay your anger, um, or doesn't allow yourself to, you know, cry or feel the full um, whammy of your emotions, um, you may need to do it twice a day, you know, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening, or maybe 20 minutes at lunch, 20 minutes at, um, before you go to bed. I, d- I don't know. I have been doing 20 minutes a day because, you know, I have a life. I have other things I have to do. I have three children that are depending on me. I have a ministry that's depending on me. I have a job to do. So I, I really just, it makes me feel like this is doable. I'm going to give it 20 minutes a day, and I will say that it has helped me to work through my pain so much. So that's sort of the safeguard against falling into the sea of self-pity is setting your timer and giving yourself 20 minutes. And then next time we'll talk about, or in the next video, we'll talk about how, um, how God responds to that. But I want you to at least get, even if you didn't do any God response, and I don't want you to clean it up, do not clean it up because you're thinking, well, I'm talking to God and I shouldn't talk that way. I want you to get out what you're really feeling and do not clean it up. He didn't clean up anything. And then he just asked for God to help him. (laughs) Okay, so just get it all out. Um, And then the next time we'll talk about God's response to that. But I know that this is such a heavy, heavy subject. And when you're in pain, it is so difficult sometimes. But I want to, before we end this video, I just want to read something to you that will help probably to lift your spirits and give you something. Sometimes you just got to have something to laugh at. But it really makes the point. This is something I found from Timeki. I'd never heard of it, even though it's been around for years. And it was it's an open letter. Um, and you can find it on, it, you know, you could just Google it and find it. But it's, it's a letter that was written to uh, Continental Airlines by the man seated in seat 29E. And I'm just gonna read it to you so you can get an idea of what a lament would actually sound like. It says, Dear Continental Airlines, I am disgusted as I write this note to you about the miserable experience I am having sitting in seat 29E on one of your aircrafts. As you may know, this seat is situated directly across from the lavatory so close that I can reach out my left arm and touch the door. All my senses are being tortured simultaneously. It's difficult to say what the worst part about sitting in 29E really is. Is it the stench of the sanitation fluid that is blown all over my body every 60 seconds when the door opens? Is it the whoosh of the constant flushing? Or is it the passenger's bottoms, I've changed that, that seem to fit into my personal space like a pornographic jigsaw puzzle. I constructed a stink shield by shoving one end of a blanket into the overhead compartment, 
While effective in blocking at least some of the smell and offering a small bit of privacy, the butt on my body factor has increased as without my evil glare, passengers feel free to lean up against what they think must be some sort of blanketed wall. The next butt that touches my shoulder will be the last. I'm picturing a boardroom full of executives giving props to the young, promising engineer that figured out how to squeeze one additional row of seats into this plane by putting them next to the lavatory. I would like to flush his head in the toilet that I am close enough to touch and taste from my seat. Putting a seat here was a very bad idea. I just heard a man groan in there. This sucks. Worse yet is I've paid over $400 for the honor of sitting in this seat. Does your company get refunds? I'd like to go back where I came from and start over. Seat 29E could only be worse if it was located inside the bathroom. I wonder if my clothing will retain the sanitation odor. What about my hair? I feel like I'm bathing in a toilet bowl of blue liquid and there is no man in a little boat to save me. I am filled with a deep hatred for your plane designer and a general dis-ease that may last for hours. We are finally descending and soon I will be able to tear down the stink shield, but the scars will remain. I suggest that you, it, you initiate immediate removal of this seat from all of your crafts. Just remove it and leave the smoldering brown hole empty. A place for sturdy, non-absorbing luggage maybe, but not a place for human cargo. <laughs> and I just had to read that because it is so descriptive. You hear him explaining exactly how horrible it feels to be in his position, exactly how it smells, exactly how it, it makes him feel on the inside and the outside, what it looks like, how it, you know, it's, it's so descriptive. And I wanted to leave that with you just to give us some levity because it is such a painful thing. When you're going through pain, you realize what that means that when they say no medicine can touch this pain because sometimes it can go through, you can go through times where you're like, I'm, it doesn't matter even if I, no matter how much I drank and no, and no matter what pill I took or no matter what, nothing is gonna touch this pain. And so it can feel like that. So we need some levity sometimes in, in those dark times of our lives. When we can really learn how to lament, that alone is therapeutic. That is gonna help us in our relationship with God and it's gonna help us just to process our pain halfway. But really the second half, which is the interactive part, the part where God is speaking back to us, is a piece that we need. And even if you've gotten good at this first part, I want you to stay tuned and really um, Try it out in a new way with part two, because I think it'll take you to a deeper place when you're able to have God listening to you in your times of pain and through your pain. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. And I just want to remind you, as always, that God has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. It is a process. Hang in there, and I'll see you in your part two.